You know, a common theme in the Psalms is this surrounding darkness. The, the, the presence of darkness all around and within and even within human beings. And, and just this awful feeling of maybe blindness, loneliness, fear, oppression, enemies. Where is the hope? Well, as we'll see in our psalm this morning, David finds the hope, he says, ultimately in asking God to make his face to shine. Make his face to shine upon his servant. Amidst all the darkness, make your face shine. Let's pray. Well, God, we want to hear from you this morning. We want your word to speak to us, to encourage us to correct us if need be, but ultimately to give you the glory in our lives that we would um, humble ourselves, that we would exalt in you. And we ask that you would do that even as we spend these moments together in your word. Teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to read for you just a few verses out of Psalm 119 found in verse 134 uh, through 136. Psalm 119 134. This is God's word. David says, Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because people do not keep your law. This is God's word. You see, sandwiched in the middle of these two really dark verses is a request of David. The request is that in verse 135, God would make his face to shine upon his servant. What's the darkness that surrounds David? Even in these few verses, he mentions in verse 134 that there is man's oppression. And he's asking God to redeem him, to to get him out of there. To to deliver him from man's oppression so that, for a reason, so that he may keep God's precepts. What he's possibly suggesting is that when, when we are oppressed by man, when we are trapped or enslaved or, or pursued or locked down, it might actually keep us from obedience. Uh, from keeping the precepts or commands or the laws or the ways of God. If there is anything that is to hinder you or to me ever from pursuing God to its fullness, we need to beg God, as David does, redeem me from that, like rescue me from that, deliver me from that. If this is going to cause me to stumble or hinder my obedience in any way, God, deliver me. Deliver me. How often do we just want deliverance because of something makes us uncomfortable or, 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 or even feel guilty? Or, but here, David wants what we should want in our own hearts is deliverance from man's oppression or a dark situation or a, a trial so that obedience might flow. So that there's no hindrance, nothing, no stumbling block, no hurdles to get over in order to obey God more fully. Here he's saying, redeem me from man's oppression, this this darkness that surrounds me, 
so that I may keep your precepts. And he recognizes the darkness of these people and, and, and just how he laments over it in verse 136. He says, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. I'm surrounded by people who, who intentionally, who purposefully disobey you. And how much more are we today? You just look around for five minutes. Read any newspaper and you see the absence of God. Watch any TV station. Any of the news you hear, where is the presence and the, the person of God? He is neglected or twisted? What is he? Today, these people don't keep God's law. They don't recognize God whatsoever. They desire nothing to do with God. They say there is no God at all. And David has a response that you see is a godly response. You see it in the Apostle Paul as well. Is this anguish, this, as Paul describes it, this unceasing anguish within his heart. David here says, my eyes shed streams of tears. Like I don't just drop a tear. Uh, I'm not just upset for a moment. It's not just like pretty insignificant and I get the sniffles about. No, no. David says, my eyes just are drenched because other people are not keeping your word. Other people are defaming you, my God. And so he's looking around at all these people who defame God, who neglect God's law, who worship other false gods. He sees that and he's grieved by it. And then he sees the effects of that even in his own life, people oppressing him, even as he strives to obey God. And so surrounded by darkness... Where is any sort of hope? Is there any sort of deliverance? Even if there's no deliverance from the present circumstance, David asks something that will bring contentment. True contentment. Look at verse 135 with me. He says, Make your face shine upon your servant. Make your face shine upon your servant. We notice a few things about these interesting words. Firstly, he's speaking of the face of God. But if you know John chapter 4, um, Jesus' exchange with the woman at the well, now he there says that God is spirit. So God has no face. In Deuteronomy, we also see that where, where God is not uh, any form. So what does it mean to say your face, God. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Well, you may recall, if you are aware of the Old Testament at all, you may recall a verse that goes like this in Exodus 33.20 that says, uh, God said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. He there was speaking to Moses, but he says, you cannot see my face. What does it mean when even God refers to himself as having some face. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll get that often throughout the scripture. And they're called uh, anthropomorphisms, where they are um, these descriptions about God in human terms. To try to help us to wrap our mind around some sort of concept that is pretty much unattainable to us. It's, it's unreachable to us because of our limited capacity. All we know is what we've ever seen and understood. Um, and so 
sometimes we, the Bible needs to use language like face and the hands of God and the feet of God in order for us to understand the, the personhood of God or, or in order for us to understand a concept about God. And here specifically, we're going to see from a survey of the text uh, what the, the face of God means and what it necessarily doesn't mean. It has kind of two different usages in the Bible. Uh, there's one where he says, you can't see my face and live. Uh, as Andrew Fuller says this, he says, this version of the face of God, he says, it, the face of God is representing the fullness of the knowledge of his glory. You can't fully grasp the knowledge of perfectly understanding his glory or seeing his glory. Andrew Fuller says it's the fullness of knowledge of his glory, which is incompatible with our mortal state. If not our capacity as creatures, we cannot see his face in terms of the fullness of the knowledge of his glory. We can't have full knowledge, full comprehension, full understanding of his glory, his majesty. We can't do it and live. It's, it's impossible. We won't see his glory fully because of our mortality. That's one way the term is used. And that's where we get when he says to Moses, you cannot see my face and live. We'll get to that verse in a minute. The second way the face of God is used in the scripture is a sense of familiarity, of, of presence. So, uh, Andrew Fuller again says, even in the same chapter where it is said that Moses could not see God's face and live, it is also said that Jehovah spoke unto um, Moses face to face. That's in Exodus 33. It says this, Moses alone speaks to, to the Lord face to face as a man speaking to his friend. These face to face conversations take place in the tent as the pillar of cloud, representing the presence of God as it descends on the tent, Matthew Barrett notes. So there, when it says that Moses met with God face to face, it's describing the times where Moses goes into the tent of meeting and the pillar of cloud was there. And yet, says he met with God face to face. The face of God in that understanding means the presence of, the familiarity of God's presence. Knowing God is there as a friend. It's a familiarity. That's what the face of God was represented there in those verses. So as it says in Exodus 33, 11, Moses met with God face to face as with a friend. But then here's what it says a little later in the chapter. Same chapter. Uh, in Exodus 33, this is at verse 17 to 23. You'll know this account. You may be familiar with it. Let, let me read it to you. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing you have spoken I will do, for, you, uh, for I have found favor uh, in my sight, and, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face 
For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. What an interesting exchange. Moses says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God said, I'm going to make my goodness and mercy pass before you. I'm going to make those pass before you. And proclaim my name, Yahweh. I am the Lord. I am self-existent, sovereign over all. I am who I am. I'm going to proclaim that as I go. And my goodness and mercy will pass before you. And he says, also, I'm going to be gracious. To whom I'll be gracious. Interesting. Moses says, show me your glory. I want to see your face. And God says, I'm going to be gracious. To whom I'll be gracious. I'll be merciful. And I'll make my goodness and my mercy pass before you. And I'll declare my name to you. But he says, you can't see my face. You can't see my face. So here, even in the very same chapter of the Bible, uh, verse, chapter 33, 11 of Exodus, he says, Moses sat with God face to face. And he lived. And there was no problem with that. But later on, when, when Moses says, I want to see your face, God says, you cannot see my face and live because the context teaches us that the, there it is meaning the glory of, the fullness of the knowledge of the glory of God. He says, you can't see that and live. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shield you from that because your mortality cannot handle it. You will not live if you are to see my glory. You won't see my face, my glory pass before you in that way it's interesting because he earlier in the familiarity sense saw god face to face he was familiar with him but when he asked to see his face when he asked to see his glory god said i'll let my my glory will will pass in my goodness and mercy and, and i'll be gracious to whom i'll be gracious and i'll be merciful to whom i will be merciful those pointing to his glory. Interesting also in, in Genesis, if you're uh, aware of the account of Jacob, who later is called Israel, when he wrestles with God, as it were, it says in uh, Genesis 32:30, when uh, J- um, Jacob went to name the place, he named it um, faith, uh, God's face. It says, so when Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. He, he knew that to see God face to face meant you're going to die. You definitely will not live. You will not be able to maintain life in this mortal life. But there he saw God face to face in a familiar sense. He was... He became familiar. He he was aware of the presence, the real presence of God, the grace of God. 
So when, when we're having this discussion about the face of God, and here in the Psalm 119, when David says, make your face to shine upon me, what is his request? What is his request? And we know it's a request that, that, that should be there. Because earlier in the Psalms, in Psalm 27, here's what it says. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious and answer me. For you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. So he says, God, you told me to seek your face. And so he says, I'm, I'm seeking you. O Lord, I seek you. So here's a request. Psalm 119, 135 says, Make your face shine upon your servant. Interesting language. Make your face. It's a request. God, your face will not shine upon your servant unless you do it. Even Moses. God, show me. It's not something that he could pursue on his own. It's not something he could muster up with enough knowledge, enough smarts, uh, enough good deeds, enough searching. No. The only way that anyone, any servant of God, is to ever experience the face of God in familiarity or any glimpse of glory, is if God does it. So David, in the midst of his darkness, says, God, make your face shine. You do it, God. Shine! Like, let me know your presence. Let me know your familiarity. Let me know your glory. Make your face shine upon me. It's a request. But what is he requesting, ultimately, well, in other circumstances where it talks about the face of God, we get a sense of what the request is all about. Firstly, to request the face of God to shine is a request of salvation, of deliverance. In Psalm uh, 80, we see it repeated three times. Here's the line. It says, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. In Psalm 80, it repeats that three times. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And so the cry of, of asking God, the, 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 the request to have God's face shine is a request of salvation, of deliverance from a present, circum, from a present circumstance, but not necessarily true physical deliverance. Not necessarily, hey, remove my enemies from me, but, but more than that, make me content. Make me know your presence. Deliver me from any sort of uh, um, darkness that's in my heart that is hindering maybe me from uh, uh, obeying you fully, as he says there in 134. Like, deliver me. Save me. That's one request when the scriptures talk about asking God to make his face shine upon you. Like, save me. Make your face shine upon me. Make me familiar with me. As with Moses, as you sat face to face as like a friend, do that for me. Save me so that I might be a friend of God because in this present circumstance, if we know ourselves well enough, if God has allowed us to have a, a true and genuine evaluation of who we are apart from Jesus, 
We're not friends of God all. We are enemies of God. And so to say, make your face shine upon me is to, to say, make me your friend. Deliver me. Deliver me from my darkness. Deliver me from myself. Save me. O Lord, it says in Psalm 80, verse 19 is one example, let your face shine that we may be saved. That's one way this request works in making your face shine upon me. And the second way is, is a request of God's grace. And, and that's the beautiful. It, it goes hand in hand with what God said to Moses. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. And so the request is, God, make your face shine upon me. You. It's up to you to make your face shine upon me for me to know familiarity. But it's, it's on you. And the only way that's possible is not because I deserve it. And it's not because I've earned it. It is nothing to do with my ability. It is all to do with you, O oh God. Make your grace shine upon me. In Numbers chapter 6, or again in Psalm 67, verse 1, it says this. Here's Numbers chapter 6, verse 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Or in Daniel 9, 17. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and his pleas for mercy for his own sake. O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. It's all mercy. It's an appeal to God's mercy. God, make your face shine upon us. Is God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's the same plea. Be merciful to me. Provide for me. Come to me in your grace. It's a, it's a, bagging, it's a, it's a humble begging of a sinner, of a, of a beggar, one who knows that they are not worthy, that they are not deserving. It is, make your face shine. It, it's you, God. It's on you. Make your face shine. It's a pleading for grace. And then how ultimately does his face shine on us? How does it shine? Well, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's in the face of Jesus Christ, we see the glory of God. Here it says, For God said, Let light shine out of darkness. He has shone in our hearts. To give us the light of, listen carefully, he gave us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. He gave us the light of, the illumination of, the eyes opened of, the light of, the knowledge of the fullness of the glory of God. The knowledge of the glory of God. We have the ability to know the glory of God. Where? It says, it finishes by saying, in the face of Jesus Christ. God did it. In the darkness, in the darkness of our own hearts, in the darkness of our world, He is the one who is shown in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of the glory of God, to know His glory, to know His majesty, to know His person, to know His power, to know His presence. He is the one who is shown in the face of Jesus Christ. And for now, we see but dimly, right? We still don't see God perfectly face to face. That doesn't mean just because we see partially doesn't mean Jesus was partial. No, no, no. Jesus was 100% God. 
And so he was the glory of God. That's why it says it is in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where we see the knowledge of the glory of God. That's where we come to know the glory of God is in the, in the face, in the person, and the work of Jesus Christ. But we still have dullness of eyes. We're still veiled in some ways because of our sinfulness, our sinful inclinations, our, our mortality. So as much as Jesus has revealed the glory of God and, and God has, has opened up some of our hearts to be able to see that and know that and recognize that, it is still but limited. Until one day, when this request to say, God, make your face to shine upon your servant will come to fruition. We, we read in the book of Revelation and understand in the new heaven and the new earth that there is no need of a sun or a moon or any artificial lights because God will shine in all of his radiance and all of his glory that he will shine in full strength like the, like the sun shining, Revelation 1 says. In Jesus Christ, we will see in his face the glory of of God, the presence and the majesty of God. So now we know it in part, then we will know it in full. So the cry of David here amidst his situation is, God, make your face to shine upon your servant. It is a request for God to do something. It is like Moses, who knew the, the familiarity of God, who knew the friendship of God, but he wanted to know the glory of God. And so we can pray the same. We can pray, God, I want to know not just your friendship. Yes, you would deliver me. You brought me out of darkness into marvelous light that I may share in the inheritance of the saints in light, Colossians 1 says. I know that because of your grace. So make that shine upon me. Make, make me know your face and see your face and experience familiarity with you. To know your presence. But then also, I want to know your glory. And I want to know the fullness of your presence because there, Psalm 1611 says, in his presence there is fullness of pleasure. And the fullness of joy because we will see him face to face. We will see him face to face. The presence and the glory of God will be ours. And so we beg God, I want to know your familiarity, but I also want to know your presence. Let me, let me get a glimpse of it now. Let me know it now. Let that sustain me. Let even the hope of that and the, the longing for that just sustain me. To, to get me through this. To help me to strive after obedience. To, to love you with all that I have because I know you as my friend. And because I anticipate you as my ultimate and final face-to-face -face friend. And you're all your presence and all of your glory it is a request of the man and the woman of God is to say, God, make your face shine upon me. Uh, and even think of that. Just think when Moses was up on the mount and he had met with God, right? He came down and he had to veil himself because he had met with God. Like he was radiant. And in the same sense, maybe as we become familiar with and we are in the presence of our great God and he shines his face upon us, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit as he applies the text. And we just, we just meet with God and we know God's presence and his glory. And, and all that we go through here is preparing us for, for the full uh, realization of that. We would be radiant too. We would be radiant. The people would see that we have met with God. 
that as he makes his face shine upon us, we would shine as lights in the darkness. That when we know the presence, when we know the familiarity and the friendship of God, as he has been gracious to us, then we may be extending that to others in grace and in revealing the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That that is our job, is to be those who are calling people to be reconciled to God. Well, we must show them his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So let us be men and women who strive after that. But here's the beautiful thing, is it's all grace. It's all grace. Just as uh, David prayed, just as Moses prayed, God, it's, it's you. Would you do this for me? And so that's how we come to God. That's how we become friends of God. That's how we become familiar with God. That's how we know the glory and the presence of God. That's how we know Jesus is only by God's grace. It's not because we've done enough or we've searched enough or we've cleaned up our eyes enough. None of that will get us to see God. Only His grace. And so we beg Him. And we beg Him on our behalf, like shed me of all this life. Shed me of my disobedience. Shed me of myself and my sin. I want you and we come through Christ, through Christ, and we just admit our need of him, that we need forgiveness because we're tarnished. We have sin on our lives. We need forgiveness of that so that we might be in the presence and family of God. And we do that through the Lord Jesus, through his forgiveness. And then we pray that for other people. God, make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Whoa, that we would know the presence and the shining face of God. And enjoy him now and forever through uh, Christ, where the, where the glory of God shines most brilliantly. Let's pray for that for us and for others. Oh God, we want to know you. We want you to shine your face upon us. We want to know your friendship. We want to know your glory. And it only comes by your grace. You will be gracious to whom you will be gracious. And you will show yourself to whom you will show yourself. So God, we are asking that you would make your face to shine upon us, um, not just as you did when, when you revealed yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ, and, and have caused us to be born again. We thank you for that. But also, God, we want to know that familiarity on an ongoing basis. We want to see your face. We want to anticipate what is yet to come in terms of the, the knowledge of the glory uh, of our great God. And so we pray that for us. And we pray that for those who do not yet know you, for our friends for our families, for our neighbors, those who live in utter darkness and have no familiar voice and no friend. Make your face to shine upon them and save them. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.